funding for NJ Spotlight News provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child, and RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, Tammy for Senate. The First Lady of New Jersey officially launches her U.S. Senate run, looking to unseat the state's indicted senior senator. I'm running for the United States Senate because we owe it to our kids to do better. She now joins a growing field of challengers for Menendez's coveted seat. Representative Andy Kim was the first to announce. A poll came out today, uh, had me up uh, 19 points over the First Lady, 35 points over the Senator. So I, I feel like we're continuing to be in a strong position. Plus, a total failure. Deplorable conditions at Stanley Holmes Village leads to Republican Congressman Jeff Van Drew to call for a federal takeover. Out of a score of 100, they received a 45. So that's not even, you know, that's an F. I mean, they just completely failed on substantially important things. And League of Municipalities. No, it's not a Marvel movie. It's a rare combination of both, you know, the, 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 you know, the hard muscle work of local government coupled with, you know, sort of the, uh, the, the political rumblings of what may happen. The who's who of local and national governments gather in Atlantic City for the state's biggest political event of the year. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. From NJ PBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Wednesday night. I'm Brianna Venozzi. It turns out those political rumors were true. First Lady Tammy Murphy today formally announced she's running in the 2024 Democratic U.S. Senate primary. The former finance executive and wife of Governor Murphy is vying to replace indicted sitting Senator Bob Menendez. In a video announcement released early this morning, Murphy said she's running because New Jersey's kids and families deserve better, touting her signature policy work on improving maternal and infant health in New Jersey and her active role in the governor's administration. The announcement puts Murphy in a widening field of candidates who've been lining up to take Menendez's seat following his second federal corruption indictment. If elected, she'll be the first woman to represent New Jersey in the U.S. Senate. As senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports, Murphy may now be the frontrunner in the race, but not everyone in the party is welcoming the announcement with open arms. I am so proud of everything we've accomplished but I know there's a lot more to do. And that's why I'm announcing this. I'm running for the United States Senate. New Jersey's First Lady Tammy Murphy officially launched her campaign for the seat now held by indicted Senator Bob Menendez, who's embroiled in a corruption and bribery scandal and hasn't said whether he'll seek re-election. Candidate Murphy said she wants to focus on big issues. From gun violence and mass shootings to a warming planet that threatens our children's future to extreme politicians who want to defund Planned Parenthood. The 58-year-old Republican-turned-Democrat highlighted her family, her record on promoting maternal health care, and her work adding climate change to New Jersey's school curriculum. She did not mention Menendez by name, but her video more than made the point. Washington is filled with too many people more interested in getting rich or getting on camera 
than getting things done for you. That drew a blistering response from Menendez. He claimed the governor pushed him to resign because Murphy had a personal vested interest in doing so. They believe they have to answer to nobody. But I'm confident that the people of New Jersey will push back against this blatant maneuver at disenfranchisement. Menendez said Tammy Murphy will now have to address the family record. New Jersey's high taxes, COVID death tolls at state-run vets' homes, and more. Writers Micah Rasmussen warned. He may not come out smelling like a rose. He may not be the last man standing, but he has the ability to inflict some damage. She will have um, some real baggage to um, to answer for. Murphy's announcement elicited a quick endorsement from Hudson County's Democratic organization. Senator Dick Cody also praised her, stating time and time again, she's proven to be a leader with integrity, vision, and passion. She has the experience, skills, and values to represent New Jersey with honor and excellence. Coming out, they've lined up support. Absolutely. Um, so, and that is exactly what you would expect an incumbent governor's operation to do. Um, and those hits will keep on coming. But Murphy's candidacy also drew more pushback today. One coalition noted liberal and progressive grassroots activists who do the work of the Democratic Party are incensed with the corruption and nepotism within the Democratic Party. These actions lead to dynasties for those in power. You know, families are important. Uh, but I don't think they should be used as booster chairs um, to help people get a uh, higher office. Rutgers political scientist Ross Baker says Jersey's rife with political family connections. Candidate Murphy can not only count on name recognition and family wealth, but also ballot placement, which can cinch a primary election. My guess is that uh, Governor Murphy, her husband, will work very hard to make sure that uh, she is on the county line, particularly in the big Democratic counties uh, like Hudson, uh, Middlesex, Union. And that certainly, you know, that gives a big boost to any candidate. Murphy's primary opponents now face a formidable Democratic political machine north and south. They include labor leader Patricia Campos Medina and Larry Hamm, who will champion familiar themes. This is too wealthy a nation to have so many poor people too wealthy a nation to have so much economic inequality. Congressman Andy Kim was the first Democrat to declare after Menendez refused to resign. His grassroots campaigns low-key, sincere. Honestly, be like, I did not plan for this, but I just, I think I just kind of hit a, a breaking point. He doesn't have much time. Candidates have just months to prepare for the June 5th primary. I'm Brenda Flanagan and Jay Spotlight News. And Tammy Murphy will join David Cruz tomorrow night on Chatbox in her first TV interview since announcing her U.S. Senate run. Make sure you check it out Thursday at 6 p.m. on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel. It looks like the First Lady's top opponent is Democratic Congressman Andy Kim, who said he joined the race because he wants to restore trust in government and was angered by Senator Menendez's refusal to step down. The former Rhodes Scholar and Obama administration staffer received early support from progressive groups, but not the party power brokers, making this race a test of New Jersey's Democratic machine. Congressman Andy Kim joins me now. Congressman Kim, it's good to see you. Uh, while this is really becoming a crowded field uh, for this Senate race, just your reaction first off of the First Lady's bid today. Look, uh, anyone is allowed to be able to jump in and, and run. That is uh, what our democracy allows for. Right now, I feel like we're still in the strongest position 
A poll came out today, uh, had me up uh, 19 points over the first lady, 35 points over the senator. So I, I feel like we're continuing to be in a strong position and getting the kind of response from the voters that we need. Well, you were first out of the gate to denounce uh, Senator Menendez to uh, put your bid in there in terms of uh, wanting to run. Of course, Larry Hamm also had declared a candidacy. Um, but also with fundraising, where does that stand? Because we know the First Lady is a pretty prolific fundraiser. Um, how do the numbers look for you right now? Oh, really strong. I mean, as you pointed out, you know, we raised uh, about a million dollars in the first week of this campaign. We're continuing to go strong. And look, uh, you know, I'm somebody that's won three of the toughest races in recent New Jersey history, a Democrat that won districts that Trump won. Uh, I have been able to raise well over $20 million in the last few years for these tough races. So uh, I'm going to be armed to the teeth. We're going to have the resources that we need to be able to get the message out all across the state. So you're battle tested. Correct. Yes, uh, that's a, a good way to say it. We're battle tested. I've gone up against three straight self-funders in three consecutive races. I know what it's like to, to have uh, you know, someone that we're going up against that's going to have a lot of resources. So uh, you know, we feel ready for this. And like I said, the, the main thing is, is that this needs to be a choice for the people of New Jersey and what kind of step they want to see the party and the, our politics take going forward after this scandal with Senator Menendez. You've said, Congressman, that you want to end the county organization political line system, which gives uh, folks who have that backing an advantage when it comes to the primary ballot. Do you see your run as a test of the political establishment, the Democratic political establishment in New Jersey? Yeah, look, what I've been talking about, and this is well before I even thought about running for United States Senate, is about how do we make a democracy that is more inviting? more accessible, more uh, engaging to the regular American. And that's something that I think is important. Yes, I have thoughts about uh, ballot designs, but also about campaign finance reform, about voting rights and other things like that. So I do think that there's a lot that the Democratic Party and our politics writ large needs to be thinking about in terms of making that more accessible. Will you or are you seeking the line in your candidacy? Yeah, look, I'm doing everything that I can to be able to win. And as, as you said earlier, I'm battle-tested. I, I know what it takes to be able to win. Uh, you know, I'm meeting with uh, leaders uh, all across the state, telling them why I think I'm the strongest candidate, not just in the primary, but especially in the general election. You know, I'm somebody that won a district, Trump won. Uh, I can be not only guaranteeing this victory at the Senate level, but I can help with uh, candidates and races up and down the ballot. You're back in New Jersey today after uh, a pretty interesting vote in the House. Obviously, it appears anyway that there's going to be a government shutdown averted. How difficult was it to get that bipartisanship on the House floor to pass a temporary spending bill? Well, we have had a tremendous amount of chaos over the last uh, two months in Congress. I mean, real hard over the course of my entire five years in Congress. But uh, it's been really difficult to be able to have any semblance of normalcy in terms of, of what comes next. I have a lot of colleagues that just simply don't want the government to be able to continue. They are looking for ways to shut it down. Great. Thankfully, we were able to, to get uh, an ability to push forward on a piece of legislation that will push that off until the new year, be able to keep our lights on, keep our government going on through the rest of this year. But we still haven't solved this problem. Congressman Andy Kim with us. Thank you, Congressman, for your time. Thanks for having me.
Senator Menendez's indictment also put a target on the congressional seat currently held by his son, Rob Menendez, casting doubt over his political future. Well, this week, the list of candidates throwing their hat in the ring to replace him also expanded. As senior correspondent Joanna Gagas reports, this election will also be a battle over accusations of nepotism and the use of the party machine. We have people jumping into this race because they essentially see the power broker wounded and so his underling in a way being wounded as well. That race, the 8th Congressional District, the wounded power broker, well, that would be U.S. Senator Bob Menendez, whose son, Congressman Rob Menendez, the underling, is now facing a primary challenge for his seat by Kyle Jacey, the very challenger who just a few weeks ago was going after the Menendez Senate seat. I was really disappointed a couple years ago when uh, Albio Sirius' seat became available and you know, I was actually planning on running for it for about five minutes and, and I found out that the seat had already been given to Rob Menendez. I see an opportunity to potentially correct that now and to give the voters who I feel were disenfranchised a real choice in this election. It's a mantra we hear a lot of from political newcomers, even if JC is the son of former state assemblywoman Myla JC. But those familiar with the Hudson County Democratic Organization know better. We like to say that we live in a democracy and supposedly you two people or more put themselves before the voters and the people decide on who's the better candidate. And that's a very idealized version that is not reflected at all in how politics operates in Hudson County specifically and in the 8th Congressional District. But it's likely to not be politics as usual in the 8th because Hoboken Mayor Ravi Bala looks poised to jump in this race. He told us he's still in the exploratory phase, but his entry could turn the political machine and the Hudson County party line on its head. We heard that Mayor Bala has raised $509,000, so he's not a declared candidate yet, but clearly he's running uh, until somebody says otherwise. Look, you rarely get a contested primary in these things. John Hines, founder of Hudson County View, says Bala's name recognition and strong fundraising efforts from the gate makes things fun. A lot different than the office by appointment primaries that led former Congressman Albio Ceres and now Congressman Rob Menendez to their victories. Usually the incumbent just runs against some guy off the street, if that, and then wins like 85 to 15 and it's super boring. In this kind of a race, where you have at least two candidates that'll be able to raise over a million dollars, you're probably going to get actually a couple debates. You'll get a lot of uh, scrapping online. So it's just a totally different dynamic, and it's a dynamic that the Hawk County Democratic Organization hates. They really like to avoid contested primaries, and that's not going to happen this time. Mayor Bala, I think, does stand a pretty good chance, given that uh, it's been reported that he does have some fundraising uh, backing behind him, and that will at least make the machine sweat because they will have to use, deploy their resources. But Hector Oseguera points out that District 8 is heavily Latino and loyal to the Menendez name. In a statement, Congressman Rob Menendez said voters across the district know our record and they trust that we're committed to improving their lives, touting accomplishments like bringing billions of dollars in infrastructure funds and addressing quality of life issues. And while JC is running on a platform of reducing health care costs, increasing access to reproductive rights, and improving education, Oseguera points out that a real threat to Menendez would be somebody of Hispanic descent, maybe a woman of Hispanic descent. I think that 
Rob Menendez would have a very difficult race, a much, much, much more difficult race in front of him. But for now, political insiders are grabbing their popcorn, ready for what could be a political throwdown in the eights. I'm Joanna Gagas, NJ Spotlight News. Residents of an Atlantic City public housing unit say they're still living in deplorable conditions more than a year after going to court with their complaints. A recent government audit slammed the city's housing authority for dozens of violations, calling it, quote, a total failure. Now, South Jersey Congressman Jeff Van Drew is calling for a federal takeover of the authority. Ted Goldberg was on the scene today as residents there rallied demanding urgent action. Every time we've tried to voice our opinions about something, they're telling us to calm down. You got to talk to them nice. I'm tired of talking to them nice. They're not, they don't respect us as residents. They is the Atlantic City Housing Authority, a group that's come under fire as residents around AC say their homes have been neglected. The ceiling caved in in my home um, and it was raining in my home. I had mildew, I had mold. The floors were separating from um, the steps, my children were getting locked in a unit. For the past year, they don't have a maintenance man. And every time I call, my sink is falling down in my bathroom, and I've called several times about it, and they say they don't have a maintenance man. There's a lot of us out here that are homeless because of what they have done to us. We can't live in the units, but then we don't have nowhere to go. My granddaughter have been in and out the hospital with asthma, and I believe it's because of the mold that's in the house. And they painted over it. They didn't remove it or anything, they just painted over it. People who live in these units spoke outside of City Hall today, hoping that more people hear their complaints about the public housing complexes. The media and the press don't always tell our story, so we have to have our own press conference to tell our story. And what's been going on here, been going on for years, and it's been staying locally. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm mad. And I'm not, and I'm not gonna hide the fact that I am mad and I blame the government too. It's supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be clean. It's supposed to be, uh, again, the most essential things in life are being able to take a, a hot shower and be able to have hot water. Last year, Congressman Jeff Van Drew got involved in the ongoing dispute between the ACHA and Stanley Holmes. We reported on complaints from Stanley Holmes residents who say they're lucky to have heat and hot water on a given day. Van Drew asked the Department of Housing and Urban Development to take a look. HUD's findings became public last week. Out of a score of 100, they received a 45. So that's not even, you know, that's an F. I mean, they just completely failed on substantially important things. These aren't cosmetic issues. On Monday, Van Drew sent a letter to HUD Secretary Marsha Fudge asking for a federal takeover of Stanley Homes, saying that, quote, my community holds no confidence in the authority's abilities or intentions. We didn't receive a response from the ACHA, but in response to the letter, they told the press of Atlantic City, quote, neither he nor his office contacted me before issuing the statement. I agree with the congressman that the ACHA faces serious challenges. However, these challenges did not start with this board, but rather result from a long history of prior failures well before the current board was in place. HUD sends people in, uh, they, they, you know, help initiate contracts with individuals that are going to be able to restore uh, these facilities, these ha this housing to at least a liberal, a livable. I want them to take over and do something, make our living conditions um, much better. Until that happens, 
expect these residents to continue bringing attention to the issues they're having with their homes in Atlantic City. In AC, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News. In our Spotlight on Business report tonight, New Jersey is on the verge of having another billion-dollar business cashing in on legal pot sales. According to new state figures, the legal cannabis market sold more than $734 million worth of products between July 2022 and June 2023. The state's Cannabis Regulatory Commission says the bulk of those sales, more than half a billion dollars worth, came from recreational marijuana customers. And though in turn, sales for the medical market are heading in the opposite direction, dropping by 44 percent since adult sales began in April 2022. The pace, though, of the industry's growth had been a worry for some inside the market who argued the state was dragging its feet, approving new dispensaries to open. It took nearly a year for 20 dispensaries to get off the ground. But since then, dozens more licenses have been awarded and locations are now in 18 counties throughout the state. On Wall Street, stocks rallied again today after more encouraging inflation data. Here's today's closing trading numbers. Support for the Business Report is provided by Junior Achievement of New Jersey, providing students with skills and knowledge to explore, choose, and advance their career paths for a bright future. Online at janj.org. New Jersey Tourism Industry Association, NJTIA, will host their New Jersey Conference on Tourism November 30th through December 1st at Resorts Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. NJTIA.org for event information. And Rowan University, educating New Jersey leaders. Partnering with New Jersey businesses, transforming New Jersey's future. While you'll likely get an out-of-office reply from many of your local leaders this week, most politicians are making an appearance at the annual League of Municipalities conference in Atlantic City. The convention is considered the networking event to attend if you want to see and be seen in New Jersey government. And this year it's playing out against the backdrop of upcoming critical elections. Senior political correspondent David Cruz reports. League of Municipalities boss Mike Serra is a man in perpetual motion this week. The League of Municipalities annual conference, this is the 108th, attracts thousands. This year, more than 15,000 people, from mayors to city clerks to zoning officers to, yes, wannabe governors who were here aplenty. We just got through one election where we have lame duck in front of us and there's a governor's race in two years. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a rare combination of both, you know, the the, the, you know, the hard muscle work of local government coupled with, you know, sort of the, uh, the, the political rumblings of what may happen. Just stroll casually around the convention center and you will run into candidates, past, present and future, most with a plan on how to maximize their time here. You know, just networking here. There's a lot of people that you don't get a chance to see from a geographic standpoint um, because we're all the way up north and they might be in South Jersey and this is a good opportunity for a couple days just to get together, talk about the campaign and, and what we're doing in Jersey City. You said wait till this election is over, then I'll what? Start thinking about it? How much thinking have you been doing on that? 
I haven't really had enough time to think about it because it's, as we sit here today, it's one week post-election. I really need to sit with the team and, and sit with party leadership to see if, if Mike Test is someone that they'd even want to be a statewide candidate at this point in time. I'm a party guy, so I really want to sit down with the party and see what direction they want to go in. How do you get over those last three, four percentage points that you missed out on last time? Hey, we got more votes than any Republican gubernatorial candidate, uh, second only to Tom Kane's 1985 re-election campaign. I'd like to think those people will vote for me again because I won't take them for granted. And we know what we need to do and penetrate other areas uh, to pick up another 100,000 votes to make the difference. One guy who seems to have made up his mind on this matter is Senator John Bramnick, who was prowling the halls and greeting Democrats as much as Republicans. He's expected to announce his campaign officially soonish. You come in here with an agenda, like do you have a plan on what you're going to do here over the next two, three days? I do. I'm not going to discuss that plan right now with you, but I have a very specific plan. And, you know, I'll let you know uh, in the next couple months what I did down here to see if it worked. We're going to have to wait a couple months to learn what you did down here? Well, this is a top secret plan. Ah. You know, I've got a lot of statewide uh, thoughts. There's also work related to local government services here. Some of these people have to get recertified for their government positions. But yeah, there's a lot of cocktail receptions and networking events that take place after hours off campus. But even there, you're never too far away from someone who's thinking about running for something. Quite frankly, this is where you come to network and cultivate and hopefully bring back ideas that'll benefit your city. In addition to cultivating and networking for ideas for your city, yeah. um, might someone who's looking to run for Congress or something <laughs> come to, to something like this to network yes. for that? It, 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 it is an ideal opportunity for anyone who aspires for higher office to come and meet individuals from other municipalities. Of course, the big news this year is the announcement that Tammy Murphy is running for U.S. Senate. She was not stalking the hallways this week, although she is likely to be here tomorrow when the governor, her husband, is scheduled to make a speech. Chances are he may get upstaged. I'm David Cruz, NJ Spotlight News. That's going to do it for us tonight, but don't forget to download the NJ Spotlight News podcast so you can listen anytime. I'm Brianna Venozzi for the entire NJ Spotlight News team. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. And by the PSCG Foundation.